Hello and welcome to another episode of AdventuresIn.net. I'm Sean Clayboy, your host, and with me, two co-hosts, Caleb Wells. Hey, y'all. Hey. Good, Caleb. And Wei Lu. Hey, Wei. Sean, Caleb. How's it going? Doing good. Good. How's life as a... How's life as a... (laughs) Glad to be on the show. You know, you've got a little bit of uh, time under your belt now, so... Yeah. It's been it's been fun. Yeah, I'm starting to almost finish my onboarding now, so um, hopefully I'll be in with clients <laughs> soon. I guess so. But yeah, it's been great. We had a big conference in Sydney um, recently. I got to actually meet my team, so oh. that was good. A lot of drinking, a lot of sessions, lot of drinking. And all that. So yeah, <laughs> learning. Uh-huh. So yeah, you know, just nothing like bonding. A bit of bonding um, other than over some drinks. Right? Reminds so, you of the time that, uh, <laughs> that I was at a, a show and when Comdex was in Las Vegas on an old tech show, and Microsoft had a private party at one of the local bars and my my niece oh, yeah. lived in Vegas and so she was very good at sweet talking the, the doorman and got us into this private Microsoft party <laughs> and just got drinks and drinks and everything and I ended up on the front page of abcnews.com because there was somebody there some reporter taking a picture and happened to catch me and my niece and a bunch of Microsoft people yeah right there so front page yep nice and they were they were trash <laughs> yep they were trash you kept that. Bob and things like that so that tells you how long ago that was but uh, yep that's my claim to fame. <laughs> all right uh, let's walk back to the show Chris Sainty welcome back Chris hey thanks for having me back it's nice to be yeah. back how are we all doing good hey folks this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs and lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs if you're interested you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. We last had you on uh, May of 2021, episode 70. Yeah. So it's been a little a, while. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies, doesn't it? It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it At least does. we're sort of hopefully coming past the pandemic stuff now. Just good. <laughs> What's changed for you since then? Oh, so let me think. So mainly finishing my book. That's that's the biggest change in my life. That that's a, that was such a, a huge drain on sort of my time and, and resources. Like when that finally sort of finished, it was uh it was a bit like the you know, the the sun coming up at dawn and the darkness sort of disappearing <laughs> near the end there. It was it was getting quite brutal. <laughs> but uh yeah, so that that's great. So that that's that all finished. And then um, so the book is just, uh, Blazer in Action, right? That's Blazer. it, yes. Yep. Yeah. So uh so that's great. So that's out and it's it's physical copies printed and it's all real, which is lovely. And then to be honest with you, I've been really enjoying not writing. So I've 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 been doing loads of conference talks. So I've been making up for 
sort of the two years lost in the pandemic and i've i've been lucky enough to been all over the place actually this year so i've been uh yeah i've been in in copenhagen i've been in denmark so denmark where else i've belgium and i'm going to the netherlands and oslo uh, i've been to portugal and stuff and probably some others that i'm forgetting now but yeah so it's it's been really nice to just be interacting with human beings and sort of talking and getting responses from real so the conference yeah, is the yeah. back, so over here in over Physical here in, ones? in the uk and in europe and stuff like yeah this year so i've, I've been talking at a lot of the ndc conferences so yeah, i've been been there a lot which is and, and doing their their circuit which has been lovely that's a, a great conference and tecarama as well which is another another th- pretty big one over here so so yeah so it's been it's just been a nice change of pace like after being hauled you know sort of stuck in a room for for two years sort of tapping away on a keyboard to sort of yeah get interaction with people and and sort of be able to speak to them directly and 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 that has been yeah it's just been a real welcome change of pace and yeah it's been it's really really good really good kind of doing the uh the book tour and giving out autographs yeah. and things like that right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah like like i did have like my first like little weird thing where i i did the talk at Tekarama which is in Antwerp. And yeah, I did the talk. And that is really cool at Techorama. So they do it in a cinema. So you give your talk and your talk is being projected onto like a a cinema screen. Like it's the coolest thing ever. And in the, the, the main room, they've, someone gets to do it on an IMAX. So if you're like the likes of Richard Campbell, you, <laughs> you, you, you get to do it on the IMAX screen. So I, I'm not there, there yet. But yeah, normal cinema screen was more than enough for me. But anyway, finished the talk and, and everything. And yeah, someone come up to me and said, can I have a picture with you? And I was just like, do, are you sure I'm the right person? Like, I'm not, you're not mistaken me for someone like more important, <laughs> more interesting. So that was, that was very flattering experience and stuff. So yeah, that, that was quite cool. But uh yeah, I was at uh, Microsoft Ignite with with Richard Campbell doing some of the podcasts and things like that there. Yeah, people come up and say, "Yeah, can I can I have a picture or whatever?" It's like, "Oh, me, really, really? Oh, no, you mean Richard? Okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that with Richard. Yeah, I've yeah been at a few conferences with Richard now, and uh, yeah, 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 he's just a phenomenally intelligent guy. <laughs> it's so scary speaking to him sometimes, but he's he's brilliant. Yeah, great guy, great guy. So uh, I guess we're gonna go a little bit more into Blazor than what we did in the past, you know, especially since your book is done. What's kind of changed and what's what's the the big news about Blazor in the past year? So I think the the easily the big one for Blazor has been its integration with Maui. So so Maui was was GA'd, I think it was about build build time. So what that would have been May, wouldn't it? Around then. And yeah, along with that came blazer hybrid which is the version of blazer that can run inside maui apps so it it was kind of a big deal because then you you know you've now got blazer where you can you know write rich interactive web apps and, and and all of that but you can now also use it to write desktop and mobile apps as well so you've got like the full almost like pretty much the full gambit of, of 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 things to target with it which is brilliant and the other thing is because of the the, the way that the, the blazer hybrid model is still using it's still based on uh, sort of html and web tech so that means that the components you're using in your blazer websites can also be shared and run as is inside maui apps now obviously there's still considerations in there because you probably you know if you've got services talking to back ends you might need to change them around a bit or, or stuff like that but the actual ui components themselves don't need to change they they run inside of a web view so it's kind of like you could think of it a bit like electron 
in in, in that way but but uh hopefully a bit more uh, i think a little bit more efficient than what than what you get with electron is so, it lighter so weight than electron is yeah well i think um so i mean i do i do want to caveat that i'm not really a desktop developer so i've, I've done some a very little bit of playing around with maui but unfortunately i've not had a huge amount of time to to get into it but the obviously the thing with electron is you, you it's bundling like node.js and and like the renderer uh the web rendering tech as well or engine so that's where you get a lot of this sort of bloat from that people often talk about i think with with electron apps and stuff whereas with maui they sort of you've got it's running obviously on .NET core so you know if you've got that you're good anyway and stuff and it's bundled or it's bundled with it but the rendering part of it is delegated to the os's renderer to my understanding so if you're on windows it's going to be webview 2 i think it is and then if you're on like ios or Mac OS, it's going to be WebKit and that one. So that means it hasn't got to be bundled in with the app. So a little bit more efficient and, and stuff like that. So, so yeah, so I think that's probably the big news from, from Blazor for this year. Obviously, we've got .NET 7 coming in November. So they'll, there's going to be a few more bits and bobs in there and later in the year. So one of those, I think the highlights is going to be threading, I think. So that should be quite cool for, for WebAssembly. So the browsers have kind of got to a point now where threading can be supported with WebAssembly. There what I think they could have done this before. And I think if memory serves, there was a, a security issue that was found with it. And they were going to put this in, I think maybe for .NET 6, and then they had to back it out because of this this threat was found. So I've been waiting for the browsers to patch that and waiting for that cycle to complete and everyone to get updated. And I think as being a little bit of the case at the moment, Safari was the was the last holdout to get things done. I keep hearing more and more people yeah, that's like, I just keep IE hearing now, that right? all the time. Everyone's yeah. going like they're the new <laughs> IE six. Like they're just you know, not not adhering to standards, but they're pop, you know popular enough to then cause a problem. So um, so yeah, but that's all been done now. So mm-hmm. I think they'll be able to support sort of threading, true multi-threading in in Blaze WebAssembly. So what what would be the actual use case? Would it be you'd be able to support like get more games and all that stuff? Yeah, on, I mean on the browser anything that would you would normally take advantage of threads for in in your applications it would now be possible in the browser which is something that's never been possible in a browser because browsers have always been single threaded so it's always been a single threaded model and and you've just always had to work around that and and stuff whereas that's not going to be a limitation anymore going forward so yeah hopefully it'll open up some more performance Stuff yeah, def- and, definitely seems you know, like there could be sec- security th- concerns. Yeah, going multi-threaded, things like that. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. So that's a that's another big one. So that's cool. And there's a few other bits and bobs that are coming with .NET seven, like some quality of life improvements and little weird things. Like if you've been using Blazor a lot, you you know you it's still things like um, there's some changes coming to like the navigation manager service where it's, it's, it's got to be one of the longest running requests, which has been some kind of event to hook on to before navigation happens because like I, I think back to when i was like writing angular apps and stuff and it's like you know you we'd always put in a check to you know if the form hadn't been saved that was being filled out you'd put a check in you know i think they called it interceptors in angular i think if i remember correctly mm-hmm. and and you'd have an interceptor that would that'd stop the navigation process if the form data hadn't been saved so you could pop open a thing or tell the user that they needed to save or if they wanted to discard whatever you you can't you haven't been able to do that in blazer using any of blazer's native apis you can do workarounds with 
JavaScript interrupt calls to to do stuff like that. But it, it's very much something you had to roll yourself, and it it's got to be one of the one of the highest requested things that I've seen. So that that's coming in in .NET seven, which I think will be quite cool. I mean, it, I'm doing all this judging obviously by what's in the GitHub repo. I don't. I've, I'm obviously not on the team, but like, so yeah, so that that's going to be cool. And I think that will sort of satisfy a lot of people who have, who have been sort of building more and more. So, so if you're building from Maui, do you still choose between WebAssembly and server-side? Do you still have that choice or is it just... No, you don't. It's not relevant in Maui because in, in Maui, you've got .NET Core. So the components run directly on .NET. They don't need any of the intermediary stuff or any of the extra stuff that the other hosting models have. So if you think about the so the Blazor server model, it needs to have the signal R connection to stream the changes down to the client. Obviously the Maui Maui app is the client, therefore, you know, you don't you don't need that. And there's no need to run WebAssembly because you've got access to to, to .NET Core. So so WebAssembly is 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 not needed. And so so yeah, so it's it's actually like a really lean hosting model because it, it's just running on with all the performance of, of oh, so, so even though it's using a web view it's, a, it's just using that for just the this just just the render just the render yeah yeah i uh i watched one of sanderson's talks and he said they debated on whether to name blazer server and blazer web assembly completely different things because they really are completely different things in maui's an extension of that right it's really the underpinnings maybe blazer but the way that it's actually used is is very different right so, yeah, cool. Yeah, well, there's all kinds of fun with naming. I mean, in the very early days of of Blazor, we went through the 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 dark age of renaming, as as I've called it a few times. Where for a period, Blazor Server became was was named Razor Components. So you had Razor Components, which was the server hosting model, and then you had Blazor, which was Blazor WebAssembly. But the community had been using Blazor Client or Blazor WebAssembly and Blazor Server. For, for a long time and it, it was one of those things that the, the change was sort of done and, and stuff and the feedback was kind of like this waterfall of people guys this is not working like this is really difficult and i remember i was writing blog posts like every week at the time and i'm like writing blog posts going if you're using uh razor components or blazer components and everything i did had a bracket saying or razor components or blazer depending on what the like the, the scenario was i'd come by and I mean, if you go on my blog, you'll see in older blog posts, they're still there. These All these brackets going, all this, all this, depending on which one. And I'm like, also thinking about like SEO as well. I'm like, if this rename sticks long term, I need both phrases in here because otherwise like it's not going to work. And then uh, after a, a few months, it, it then got changed back to Blazor Server and Blazor WebAssembly. And I think everyone was like, okay, this makes sense. This this kind of works. And, and things. Because at the end of the day, the programming model is the thing that you're interacting with, and that's the the thing that's the same. It's just the rendering that's different. Like, is it you know rendering via SignalR? Is it rendering via WebAssembly calls? Is it rendering via you know Maui in the web view? So so yeah. Now that your book is out, when are you going to start on version two? <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah, yeah. That's that's the question, isn't it? Yeah, as. Friend of mine, oh, 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 he likes to to rip me on that. It's like when, you, when so when you're going to start version two? I was like, no, I I think it would take a lot for me to do another one. I think mm. it was a very it's a very good experience. Like I I love the fact that I can now go. I'm a published author. I've got a book. It, it it's lovely. But like I can't under I can't like underemphasize that the amount of time it takes. Like mm. it was two years of my life, and it was two years 
every day bar probably i probably have one day off a week for like two years it's just relentless because not only are you obviously trying to you know you want to write good write good engaging chapters and and you're constantly weighing up what you can include and what you can't because like i so one of the things i i kind of learned along the way was like writing a good book is about just as much about choosing what you don't put in it as what you mm-hmm. do because obviously there's a huge amount you could talk about about any part of any any area of development really any framework or 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 anything like that and like but what's relevant to the person who's reading the book like you can flood them with information but then you're just going to confuse them and there's things like oh i can explain that in real detail but actually that you don't need to know that detail but at this point of like where you'd be on your journey like that that will probably just hurt your head rather than get the the concept across and it's more important you understand the concept now and you can worry about the the internals later and like making all those choices and rewrites and then the edits and all that and it for me personally it definitely by the end was it was it was very draining like i was like you know i was getting up at sort of five six o'clock in the morning doing three three sometimes four hours of writing then doing an eight hour nine hour work day and then i'm maybe gonna be you know i was maybe doing a few tweets as well in the evening sometimes and i think i mentioned this last time like my wife and i had our our first child as well while i was like halfway through this process so like that admittedly probably made it feel a lot worse than than what it would have been otherwise so yeah so i certainly right now i'm in no rush to start another version and and things and i i think as well with where blaze is at i think like i don't know what i would put in a second edition anyway like Mm. it's at the moment well how much how much has kind of already been like outdated i guess or superseded why well right now nothing because the book's targeting dotnet 6 so that's yes that's out, yeah. <laughs> um, and the changes that are coming in dotnet 7 looking at them doesn't look like there's going to be anything that invalidates what's in the book which means that buys me another year which i think <laughs> in print terms is like a <laughs> massive deal nowadays that if you could get like 18 months of of, re- of relevance out of a book that's actually quite impressive like for Normally, like writing mm. books on Microsoft Tech or especially .NET has been, I think, a bit of a safe bet because, like, if we were on framework, you're like talking like four or five year cycles, and like, you, you know, you can write a book and it's good because it's going to be like another four years before the next major version of framework came out and things. But .NET Core obviously improved the pace, and now you know, with it going back to, I keep saying .NET Core, but obviously it's back to just .NET now and the yearly cadence. You know, now I think as a book writer, it's it's uh it's even more challenging because you you're almost writing a book and it's all about the timing of it. You almost want your book to be finished during the last sort of previews of the next release so that it can be published and land just after the release. And then you're going to get a year and then you kind of hope that nothing major changes in between. I mean, the, the, the great thing is, I think that with Microsoft's approach nowadays is that the breaking changes, I think it's probably fair. And Caleb, you could probably comment on this as well. Like, I think it's fair to say for Blazor, especially like over the last few releases, there's just been nothing that's really broken like between versions. Like from, I can't think of anything from five to six that was a breaking change. Yeah. It's all I don't think there's a huge amount. Yeah. Yeah. It's all been additive or, stuff. Or performance which is, improvements. Yeah. Or yeah. performance improvements. Exactly. Yeah. So that's actually been really good. 
you know, both as a consumer and user of Blazor and also having some, you know, being someone who's written a book on it, it's like, oh, if they keep that trend up through .NET 7 and .NET 8, then this is going to be okay. So, and looking like what they're planning, it doesn't look like, you know, that again, even looking at like what could potentially be in .NET 8 wouldn't necessarily be hugely breaking or anything. I think there's just the stuff like, you know, with multi-threading coming in to WebAssembly, like would that bring about some different approaches to programming apps? But that's, again, I, I think when you're looking at a book like Blazor in Action that's kind of targeted at kind of people who are new to the framework, that's maybe not something they care about right there. And then they're trying to understand the fundamentals of how does the framework work and things like that. And those are things that probably aren't going to change a huge amount over time. Because that isn't really the way that Microsoft do things generally. Um, yeah, my my boss writes uh, books on C sharp, and it's been changing so fast lately. He's gone to an every other version type of release for his book. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, we we were like, when it was coming up to the point of like, at one point we thought we were going to pub end up being in a position where the book could be published before before last november so like don't want to do that don't want to have the book published like a month or two before november because then that will all be dotnet 5 and then dotnet 6 comes out almost immediately and like there might be new apis that we could have talked about or whatever and uh, as it turned out after as is the way like you know a few edits take longer than you think and some feedback and you change it and you rework it before you know it two more months of your life has gone by and you know it's no longer an issue but yeah the timing now is quite i think important for, for for writing books i mean but again it all depends very much on how the book's written and what it, what it's targeting like if you're targeting more concepts and and that kind of thing then you're you're probably going to get much more longevity than if you're maybe doing a very literal book that's more maybe more like a cookbook style book where it's giving you literally answers to questions and then they could change you know stuff like that so like i think blazer in action sits more towards that concept style end than it does towards the literal though it is designed to give you a, a working app that's based on real world design choices and architectures and and things like that so hi this is charles maxwood from top end devs and lately i've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases just taking their career to the next level you know whether you're a beginner going to intermediate intermediate going to advanced whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. I wonder if it's better to have more of a kind of like, a, you know, like the concept of a, a book that, that goes from start to finish kind of thing. And that, that kind of gets gets update, outdated slowly. Instead of that, maybe having more of a, like an evergreen type thing where like maybe a user kind of buys a subscription to your book and it's an ebook and you... And over the course of a year, you just gradually update it as new features come in. Um, do you reckon that would probably be a, a yeah, better model? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think the so I, I think like in terms of being able to keep things more relevant, then yes, I guess I, there's some stuff there that I think is interesting. So it would depend, I guess how how do I put this? 
uh, what the compensation scheme looks like, because that's a long, because you're essentially taking potentially almost like an endless commitment. Like normally, like with a print book, you're you're effectively you sign a contract to to do that book. You know, you create a proposal, you sign a contract, you agree a delivery time with the publisher, and then you you work with the publisher, deliver that book, and you and that's it. You're you're then done, and then. If your if your book does well or whatever, they you know they might engage you to to you know do a second edition or whatever, and then again you will have a new contract and you do that and it's done. And it, I think the only thing with the model that that you've suggested is that how do you how do you kind of contain that? Like yeah, because uh, you know like right. <laughs> I, I love Blazers a bit, but like there's probably going to be a day where I'm going to get like okay, I've had enough now. Like I want to look at something new or do something else or try something else and things like that and could you be in this kind of almost endless commitment like that's going on and on and on i mean manning are really good like the publisher i work with in that there is an ebook version of it and then there's a print version and they will do updates to ebook the ebook version i don't know how regularly that happens and so i can make some i can i can make some tweaks if if we find some mistakes and and the ebook version can potentially be updated. We haven't really discussed about when or or if that will happen in the current process. So there is kind of a little bit of that going on with this version, but I, I think for everyone concerned in, in this, there needs to kind of still be a bit of a definition between start and end rather than just kind of this constant ongoing, this ongoing thing. I think also, I, I think like almost then, are we not just kind of maybe just talking about blogs at that point? Like, could you not just write a blog that's just you know and keep updating the posts because i've i've run into like i bought a pdf and ebook on angular 6 right years ago and i still get emails saying we've we've updated it to, to whatever the current version is right and some of these are bigger changes than others and i only paid once right so that's that's a huge um benefit for me but if you look at it from their perspective for instance right you're going to have stuff that's pirated it's going to happen yeah right and so maybe you have a pirated version of angular 6 and 7 but they're now on angular 13 and so the pirated version is no longer valid so it's it's, that's an interesting subject right yeah that would be well it's almost like the same as like with (laughs) with yeah but it's like with buying software isn't it it's like the, the industry has been taken over by subscription models because you know, if you think, of the, you know, we all know the amount of effort it takes to, to you know, to write a really good piece of software that that's sellable and to get paid for that once and then, you know, potentially have to provide updates to that version for a while. You know, that's a lot of resource. And unless you sell a lot of copies and then you sell them again when you go to the next version, I mean, ultimately, that's why subscription models have become more popular, isn't it, with software houses? because. Right. Every time the version increases, if people are paying monthly, they're going to upgrade to that new version, which is good because, you know, you don't have to support lots of legacy stuff over long periods of time, hopefully. But you're you're kind of almost got a bit of a predictable income with what you're doing versus, you know, you put all this effort, maybe a year or more effort into creating a new version of something. You know, I'm thinking like the old Adobe. I mean, who didn't have a pirated copy of Adobe Photoshop at some point? Like, you know, it, it was kind of like a thing, wasn't it? But like, you get that and you just hang on to it because like if you weren't a graphic designer or something and you were just using it to create some stuff for your own fun websites or stuff, like you could you could happily run with like a three or four year old version of it and not care and like what you know there's no motivation to upgrade it and even if you did buy a copy then again like you probably spent three four hundred five hundred pounds on the license back mm-hmm. then and again what why would you then in a year's time go and pay that again for the next version when you're like well it's right. only a few features and like 
you know, whatever. So yeah, this I think there's the whole that that's a similar, like I say, a similar thing, isn't it? I just thought of a new business. Have have YouTube for books. So you're reading, you're reading a book. After so many pages, you get an ad. So and then as you read so many, you get an ad. But then also along with it, you get there's a chat channel, so people can leave feedback or chat about a certain section of the book, so on and so forth, and, and keep that live. And then as you make revisions, the people have to come back and read those revisions again, and they see more ads. So somebody steal that from me. <laughs> I was. I think the forum for your book would so, be, definitely be good. Yeah, actually. there is one. Yeah, so you have provider, it's called the Live Book Forum. So you can, if you've got a, an e-copy of the book, you can go on there, you can read the book, and then at any point you can sort of like highlight section and go like, Oh, Chris, that's just wrong. That's not true. Or that's that code. As as many people have pointed out, that code doesn't run. Because <laughs> one of the things I found, like when you're writing a book over two years, you do a lot of refactoring along the way. And oh my God, trying to keep those ducks in a row is that's a that's a serious job. Like the the refactors we went through of the just the architecture of the of the example app that's used through the book, like it went through some pretty big changes. And like you're sort of four, five, six chapters in, you've now got to go back and retrofit the chapters you've written to match the new the new design. And you've got to make sure that all holds through. And then there's a companion GitHub repo as well, which is, you know, you can go and download like each chapter and the final finished code base. And so you're updating that and updating the code samples in the book and the wording in the book. And like, yeah, I mean, I, I I think towards the end, that was the biggest bulk of the edits was just going back at, through the live book forum and just finding everywhere where someone would said, like, this doesn't make sense or this namespace doesn't exist anymore or this file you're referring to, where is it? And then you're like, oh, that doesn't exist anymore. We don't refer, <laughs> don't want to refer to that. Yeah, it's like a bit of a, yeah, that was just a, a, a nightmare. But having that live book forum was really useful because the, the people who fed back on that, were it was invaluable you know for that kind of stuff and even now i'm not sure we caught every little thing but you know hopefully we hopefully we have but you know i think you should narrate narrate the audio version <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think i'd need to sell a lot more copies before i think they commissioned me to just to, to sit in a room and talk about it for for that amount of time but um but yeah, it, how do that, you do that the code examples in the audio version? Yeah, that could be good. So, yeah, yeah. Keyword namespace. Something dot something dot something. Curly bracket. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't work very well, would it? So I've actually read the book, Chris. And if you are one and done, I think it, you, you did good. You did good by, by your readers and, and by meaning. But now that I'm much more familiar with Blazor and I've read your book, I actually did have some questions about some of the things you did in the book and and why you took the approach that you took. So I was wondering if we could could pick your brain a little bit. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And thank you for thank you for the kind words. It's it's nice to know that <laughs> at least one person is happy. That's that's good. Hopefully, a lot more. <laughs> but like, it's it's good to hear that that yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I believe we've actually gone over WebAssembly versus server versions and and the benefits and drawbacks of each, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we both lean WebAssembly for the most part. One of the things, though, that that I've dug into more now is hosted versus standalone for WebAssembly. Mm -hmm. What's your preference or approach when it comes to those two options or, or templates? 
Yeah. Okay, cool. So it really depends whether I'm building a new API or if I'm talking to an existing one. So the WebAssembly hosted template essentially is giving you a template that or giving you a solution that includes a web API project and a Blazor WebAssembly project. And it's configured in a way that the API project serves the Blazor WebAssembly app. So, and I think if I remember listening to one of the shows recently, you you, you kind of discussed this there as well. So you have the start yeah. project as the API project, which can sometimes throw people because I've, I've seen people do this as well, where they set, I, they think it should be both or something and you get weird errors and stuff like that. But yeah, you just have the API project set up. And the, and the goal of that is is kind of more to give you a starting point for a full stack app. So you've got your API where you can do all your server stuff. You've got a shared project that shares models between the two. And then you've got your WebAssembly project for doing your, your UI layer. And yeah, and, it, and it's basically all ready to go. It's all the basic plumbing done for you and you can just get on and start building stuff. Standalone is is just Web WebAssembly, no backing API, and you it's expected you either have an app that doesn't need it or that you're going to talk to one that already exists and you know what that is, therefore you can work out what you need to call where and and what have you. So yeah. So basically with those two, it is it is that simple for me. If I if I if I'm building the API along with the front end, then I will use the the host template. If I'm talking to an API that already exists or I'm building like, I don't know. Say like I'm doing like a prototype or a proof of concept where I'm like, I can mock the data from the API. I don't need a real API. Well, I'll just use a standard, I'll use a standalone app and then just fake the data or load it from a local JSON file like the the standard project, like the default project template does or right. those types of right. things. So so that's that's my that's where I would choose one over the other. Cool. So another question and Sean and Wayne, feel free to interrupt me. <laughs> Because I will go and go and go, right? There seem to be two camps that are coming out when it comes to Blazor, and that's whether you have your code block in your Razor file or in a code behind, right? And in, in its own class. Which direction do you lean? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you mean. This is like a tab versus spaces for Blazor, isn't it? Like, yeah, um, it is. So my general preference would would be the code block with in the razor file that's my that's my starting point is probably the way to phrase it then depending on what happens with that component i'm i will i might make a decision at some point down the line to create a code behind file now so far at deployed where i work the app that we've been building we haven't got anywhere that we separate the code and the, the 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 markup they're all in razor files the only place i've got examples of separating the two that are mine is in some of my blazer libraries where i've got components that are just very very big they're they're ones that i either want to refactor or they just have a lot of stuff in them and i just no matter how i approach it i just can't really think of a good way to make them smaller so they're kind of sitting there and to mitigate that, I've moved the logic into a code behind file to just help ease ease things out a bit. I think what I, the what the thing I'd say here is it it doesn't matter like what you choose. Mm. Choose what makes you happy. To quote Scott Hansman, like do what That's makes perfect. you happy. Yeah. Like it really doesn't matter. Like there is no performance benefits. There's nothing at the end of the day. R- components in Blazor get compiled, so they all get compiled back into one class. 
So whether you choose to write a Razor file and a backing class, or you write them in one file, they all end up in one file anyway. So it's purely whatever makes you more productive, whatever you prefer. The me and my team at work, we have all we're all happy with the single file approach for a few reasons. One is that we find that otherwise you're flitting between two files to do to make any changes, right? So that's one thing. Like that's a pain. The second thing is that we don't want components to be too big. So we use the size of them as a as a bit of a, a flag. So if we start finding ourselves excessively scrolling on a component, it's like a trigger to us to go, you know, maybe this needs a redesign. Maybe this needs some stuff broken out of it, things like that. So that's a, that's a, a sort of another reason for doing it that way. There is, and, and then for me personally, the other reason is that it's just a constant reminder that it's not business logic going in here. Like it's UI logic, like, there's been a lot of a lot of times where I've spoken to people who are very pro the code behind approach. They've they've either come from like maybe like a web forms background where you you know you had that explicit separation there, or they they're looking at it uh, from like I don't know maybe they you've been using patterns like MVVM where again you it's very much encourages you to decouple your markup from your your model log, you know, and have your model and your 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 view logic there. It's very much that kind of this philosophical debate between, I guess, Angular and, and React, yeah. isn't it? You know, like where the code should fit. But yeah, at, at the end of the day, it is a matter it is of absolutely preference, a matter of preference. So. And like I say, there's there is just no right or wrong. Just do whatever you, whatever yeah. you're happy with. And some people just do not like the fact that ultimately, even though Razor is just it's a markup language that gets compiled. Well, in Blazor specifically, the Razor code gets compiled to C sharp instructions, and it's just there as syntactic sugar to make your life more pleasurable as a developer. Because writing out those instructions by hand is just not particularly <laughs> pleasant. But because it looks different and it does look like HTML, there is just people who balk at the idea of mixing two code, uh, two two different languages in one file, even though it's not. Because Razor is a mixture of C sharp and, and and stuff. I think the interesting thing for me on this is i don't know if anyone's looked at the grid that the blazer team have built for dotnet 7 as a preview i think uh quick grid i think it's called and it's been built as a best practice for high performance grids and it's the blazer team giving you sort of their their view on like how this should be written in a way that would be the most performant and and everything like that and i'll be honest i've scoured that code god knows how many times and it still hurts my head like i'm just like there's some clever people like and I look at it and I'm like, the way they've done it is very interesting. So they actually use both. So they have a Razor file that has a code block and has a code behind, which is a very interesting approach. And the way they do it is they have chunks of the UI that they have moved into methods in the code block that are just render fragments. So all they do is return a render fragment, so some more markup essentially, but it takes it out of the main block of markup at the top. And then all of the all of the methods that perform actions are then put in the code behind. So if you've got a click event on a button, that will be in the code behind. But for rendering out a repeated piece of UI, that might sit in one of these render fragment methods. So it was an interesting approach that I, I'd not seen that from anyone before, before I saw that. And that was that was an interesting take for me because that was like, okay, well, here's the logic that does stuff and that sits in code behind. And here's the logic that is 100% UI focused. Like it just is logic that creates more markup and that sits in the code block. So yeah, I thought that was a that was an interesting take. And it, and it also is quite 
sort of a good one because it again it shows you can just write uh, HTML markup into into methods in code blocks. Same as you can write C sharp code into the markup area because it's all Razor and that's how Razor works. So um, similar to how B units testing option works with the Razor syntax as well. But yeah, that was a very interesting one. So that was like a third approach really. You've got you know code behind code in there or both, <laughs> just to like mix the pot even further for people. So so yeah, I agree with you on having it all in one file. At least that's my personal preference. The funny thing is, back when I was doing Angular and React, I preferred Angular's approach. I didn't like the way React did it. <laughs> and I flip-flopped with Blazor. But, you know, I've had people on my team ask, why are we doing it this way? Wanting to have the discussion. And I've given them some of the same points you did. And and luckily, I'm the architect at my company, so I get to decide. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I can see the the benefits from both approaches, depending on your team and what you're trying to get out of it. But one of my biggest things was it's obvious, like you said, when you're scrolling two plus pages, it's too big, right? And yeah. you really need to rethink it. So, Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. So I, th- I think I'm going to move us into, into picks now, and we can cool. wrap up. So, uh, Caleb, what's your pick? Yeah, so my pick is a Switch game. That's surprise, surprise, right? That, that, that's one of my mainstays. So my son has gotten big into Minecraft uh, lately, which is not the Switch game I'm going to pick, actually. But in Minecraft, you know, you have mods. Those mods are dependent on the operating system, and there are a lot more for PC than there are for uh, Switch or Xbox or whatever. And he's gotten to one called Pixelmon. He watches it on YouTube, and it's Pokemon in Minecraft. And he's like, I really want to play that. Well, we ain't got it. So he and I actually started playing the latest Pokemon game, Pokemon Legends Arceus. And it is a lot of fun to play with your kid. I mean, Switch games in general are a lot of fun to play with your kid. Chris, you're going to love it when you're when you're son gets older. <laughs> but that's that's my pick today. Well, if you're like me, if you're anything like me, you're going to love it. Is is the, the latest Pokemon game on the Switch. Yep. Okay. So my pick this week is going to be temporary email services. I've been trying out various different software services and things like that. And I, you know, tired of giving out my own email address for all these things. So I found out that there, there are services out there where you can say, I just need, need an email service just for 10 minutes or a couple of days or something like that. And so these really work well for these trial offers or things like that that you want to sign up for. The one that I was using was tempmail.org, temp-mail.org. But there's other ones like, uh, 10 minute, 10 minute mail or e forward or something like that. So all these, so, you know, can I give you an address that you can just use it and then throw it away? So that works for me. So my pick is temporary yeah. email services. Yep. All right, Chris, do you have a pick? I do. Yeah. I, I was saying before the show about how much I was fretting about this because I couldn't think of anything. And literally, as Caleb was saying, here, something popped into my head. So uh, as I mentioned, I've been doing a lot of CrossFit recently and one thing that's highlighted to me, as I think it's probably the same for most programmers, is because of the amount of time I spend sitting in a chair, how inflexible I am and, and stuff like that. So there's an app called GoWad, which is a app to help you stretch that I'm using, which is fantastic. So you you sign up for the app and everything, and then it gives you a load of stretches to do to test your your flexibility. You record everything in the app, and then it 
gives you a, a rating for all the various parts of your body about how flexible you are and where you need to work and all this kind of stuff. And then every day you can do a you can do a stretching routine. You pick a time amount of time, like you know, depending on what how much time you've got that day. So five minutes, I think it's like five minutes, eleven minutes, or twenty minutes, or something like that. And you can it will then give you a set of exercises uh, stretches to do that are tailored to your weak points. And then after like six weeks or something, it prompts you to test again, and then you can you know see how how much of an improvement you've had and if you are someone who then also does crossfit you can tell it uh like oh i'm now you know i'm now going to go do a crossfit session and it will give you like the warm-up stretches to do and if you can type in the the things you did in that crossfit session and it will tell you the cool down stretches to do and stuff like that so that will be my pick that's um that's that's been a yeah that's been a real a real good one for me and like yeah sorting out my tight hamstrings and and stuff so that's that's really good very cool i'm gonna have to check that one out because i'm definitely inflexible (laughs) (laughs) okay chris if our listeners have questions what's the best way to get in touch with you yeah so you can reach out to me on twitter i apologize i'll apologize again right now that i'm i've like not tweeted for ages because i've just like been so like not involved in social media for a while but uh, yeah definitely twitter so it's chris underscore sainty but if like there's various ways you can get hold of me and if you're unsure about anything then probably the easiest thing to do is go to my my blog which is chrissainty.com and then from there you can get to like my github you can get to my linkedin you can get to my twitter there's a contact form on my blog as well so like you can get hold of me through one of those ways through through those things so yeah that's probably what i'd suggest okay great great if our listeners have questions or feedback for the show we'd love to hear from you they can get me on twitter i am at net superhero dun, 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 dun. and i'm at caleb wells coach all right thanks everybody and thanks chris it was great to have you back on the yeah. show we'll have to do it again yeah my pleasure yeah i'd happily make it a hat trick um, all right so yeah that's cool thank you <laughs> awesome thanks everybody we'll catch everybody else on the next episode of adventures in.net bye y'all bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.